0: Are listening to Adjective New Music's podcast, Lexical Tones. I'm your host, Rob McClure. Sporadic, energetic, entertaining. Stephen Baciccia writes music that is fun, interesting, and doesn't take itself seriously. He was recently commissioned by Omni Brass to compose a new work inspired by the three negative sculptures in the front lawn of Houston's Menil Collection. Currently, he is completing a commission for the Houston Civic Symphony's 50th anniversary season. Which will be a one-movement cello concerto for Brenton Smith, the principal cellist of the Houston Symphony Orchestra. Hello, Stephen. I, I fidget all the time.
1: Sorry. Hello, Robert. Sorry, Jonathan. Uh, my sound engineer just pulled something out of my hand.
0: Seriously. Seriously. <laughs> <laughs> okay. Well, that's you know that's a good way to start. Anyway. <laughs> So this is uh, this is gonna be one of the weirder ones because I'm speaking to my best friend in the world right now. So I hope that the conversation doesn't get too inside, if you know what I mean. I do, I do. Yeah, it will be. Yeah, it will be. Yeah. <laughs> no one will. No one will appreciate this but us. Kate, Kate might. She'll just be angry at us. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, definitely. <laughs> All right, let's let's start off by talking about uh, your New Mexico fragments. Yes, <laughs> you, could, you, you you look like you're about to ask a question. That's I, 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 I am about to ask a question. <laughs> <laughs> so we're we're gonna be checking out uh, four of the nine New Mexico fragments. So we're gonna be talking about uh, movement two, four, seven, and nine. Do they each have their own individual titles? Yes, they do. And I do have them now. Uh-huh.
1: Oh, good. I had to pull up the score. <laughs> Sorry. Yeah, they do. Uh number two, uh well, do you want me to give a little background of this piece first before I give all the, the, the titles and stuff? It might it might help. Yeah. Sure. <laughs> sure. sure. Whatever. Okay. So uh at, at Rice, where you and I met, got my uh final graduate degree, um, there was a uh, voice teacher her name was uh, Suzanne Menser uh she and i met at a um a voice recital she had uh, she and i came to c- talk and come come to find out that she was also from new mexico she was from santa- well she lived in santa fe for a while where i grew up we actually went to the same school just uh many years apart uh she obviously is older than i am
0: same um, high school or
1: yeah, well, yeah, but the school was a, uh seventh to twelfth grade. I went for seventh and eighth, but she went to high school there. And come to find out, sometime later, that she uh, was asked to do a a recital in Santa Fe about you know commemorating Santa Fe. It was by the I don't the Santa Fe Arts Commission or something with this. So she said, I think it would be a really cool idea if we got a Santa Fe composer to write me bu- music about Santa Fe. So um, I said, yeah, it's a good idea, mostly because I like writing music and you're a good <laughs> singer and this would be really cool for many people. <laughs> Those are great reasons. Um, yeah. So uh, I, de- I decided to find, you know, she was against finding any poetry. She said, yeah, I don't care. Just write me music. I said, okay, cool. So um. I went out and searched and found a couple of New Mexico-ish things. And then my aunt uh, turned me on to this poet, uh, Valerie Martinez. She uh, was for a while the Poet Laureate of Santa Fe, uh, which is really cool. And happened to be a friend of my aunt's. So she put me me in touch with her art. Let me see, her poetry, excuse me. And I found a book, read a bunch of the poetry. Some of it was really, you know... Out there, I'm not really the greatest with words. It took me a little bit to not really delve into. And I found this one collection called the New Mexico Fragments. And these literally were just fragments. Each had their own title, which was the first sent- the first line of, the, um, of each poem. And they were just fragments. Nothing too in-depth. Just a little bit of information as if you were just taking snapshots of the area. Which I really, really liked because uh, one of my favorite things to do when visiting was just take pictures because of the extremely diverse uh, everything about New Mexico. Um, so these really struck with me. So yes, each of these movements has their own title. Uh, the ones we're going to be playing, I think two, four, six and nine, right? Seven and nine. Seven and nine. So each of them have their own title. Number two is called the curve of the horizon. Number four is called seeing O'Keefe's patio door. Number seven is at Malpais, I thought the cold would break.
0: And finally, the last one is, what the high desert gives to your name. So let's go through the, each one we're going to hear and just kind of talk about what the, what the poetry says to you, what, um, how you treated it musically, you know, some of those ideas. Sure.
1: All right, for number two, uh, The Curve of the Horizon. I'm just going to, because they're short poems, I'll read the poem first before I talk about it. The curve of the horizon and the white interior walls, which is to say a woman and a man in a room of light and the earth supine under a violet sky, is to say the ceremony of the body. A hand wanders to a chip of wolfenite a mile away from the arrowhead, dug up to say, I pull the clay up and out, round and high as I am. To me, that poem was very has a lot of couple different meanings. It's very earthy. Uh, talk, you know. Um, yeah, it has some really good words
0: in it, like supine and wolfenites, and
1: yeah. So with this one, I, I mean, honestly, I really, really felt this was. I remember thinking about this. It's very, it was a very sexual piece to me, because it talked, you know, the okay, it all, yeah, it really <laughs> Explain,
0: was, uh, yeah, yeah. There's, it talks about the man, like the man and the woman, right? The, yeah, something that about too. touch and yeah,
1: mm-hmm. and and just the whole. I mean, right away, the curve of the horizon and the white interior walls. To me, that just. That that visually, yeah, it's outdoors, but it's not just man and woman to me. That was kind of, I mean, there's a lot of mythological ideas of how the world was created, and that's kind of what this was. It was a creation story for me. Um, you know, man and woman, but you know, the earth, the the earth, you know, was curved. Um, you know, everything around it is nothing but uh, under a violet sky. The earth supine, lying on your back, watching the curve. Uh, a hand wanders to a chip of wolfenite, Mm-hmm. Um, let me see. A mile away f- from the arrowhead, wolfinite is a kind of a rock that is used to make um. You know, arrowheads, and that very much leads me to you know, my mind immediately went to you know, hand wandering down towards uh, you know a woman's vagina as mm-hmm. it was happening. So and then pull the clay up and out, rough and high as I am. It's kind of just very masculine in that moment. So mm-hmm. for this tune, I um. It was a very, I mean, I put in the, in the music, uh, along with the, the tempo marking, I wrote sensual, you know, I wanted to have a lot of, uh, not when I said melismas, but I, I gave a lot of, uh, purposeful, just half steps moving in and out of a note to kind of create that. Um, I guess for my own, for my own way, just a moving line that wasn't just one solid note sitting on itself gave a lot of, you know, sound, kind of emotion. motion so it was had um I I guess I could just say, yeah, there's a lot of sexual nature in it. Number four uh, is called Seeing O'Keefe's Patio Door. We cannot but think of the tongue, the tongue on fire. It floats, as does the oblique darkness of door. The adobe walls going left, the sky's blue mist lifting. Here is the eye's ruse, suspension, the leaf gone green and hot yellow. The breath, the utter silence gone aloft. Once again, this has a lot of color and f- like heat in this one. Yeah. Uh, o- O'Keefe. O'Keefe was a very well, did a lot of paintings in New Mexico. Georgia O'Keeffe. Yeah, Georgia O'Keeffe. Yeah. Her, her patio door is a title of a piece of is a title of a big piece of art that she has there, and it's just a, uh, it's it's part of it is very Rothko Rothko esque, where it just has a one color, and in the middle of it, uh, like a circular look, kind of or a teardrop, almost something just hanging hanging in the middle of the big solid block where uh, Valerie Martinez calls it the tongue on fire and it floats. Mm. So talking about this with this one, with the heat of this one, uh, I mean, in the poetry, I made the music very fiery, very fast, very, um, it's actually very lively and it's, it's a very difficult piece. I think the piano takes a lot more than the voice on this one. The voice says a lot, but the piano is really, really the driving the, the driving. Yeah, force. It's, it's, it's wicked fast. Um, a lot, just a lot of stuff happening. In There's this the Boston coming out. Yeah, it's yeah. wicked fast, <laughs> wicked fast, bro. Wicked fast, wicked. Um, <laughs> Sorry, continue. <laughs> no worries. Um, just a lo- very, very driving, energetic. Just moves, pushing and pushing and pushing. Uh, I think I think just continuously going up and up and up and up and just, um, just until the end was just you know has to stop because the music stops i mean if it, 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 it's not, not sorry to mean to sound that stupidly but it <laughs> okay. just like there's nothing you know, nowhere else it could it, go. there's nothing else
0: <laughs> yeah that's why yeah. it stops and it goes because it's... there's something yeah <laughs> <laughs> no it's
1: just so it's so just you know full of fervor it has nowhere to go but just you know just it's like an right. explosion of stuff
0: cool cool, cool. <laughs> thanks cool 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 all right abed
1: yeah I, I after watching that show i found i do that a lot
0: yeah uh i, I mean do i it just is- i just think i naturally do that like uh what i always say oh uh, yeah, yeah 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 i say like yes yeah. to a person like a million times and um just being over in china that's um i did it before i got here but yeah. the way that the way that people the basically the word for correct in chinese is due yeah and when you when you're telling someone yes, correct, you never just say. Doe. You say doi Like they you say it really a heard? million times. <laughs> so, so you fell into your element there. I did. I really did. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah,
1: yeah. Totally. Yeah. <laughs> it's it's pretty funny because I'll just I'll, I'll do the, the ob ed. So
0: cool. Cool, cool, cool. Cool. Cool cool cool.
1: All right. <laughs> Moving on, shall we? We shall. <laughs> We shall. Uh, this next one, number seven, uh, it's called At Malpais. Malpais is a mountain area, a uh, top of a mountain. Uh, the poem, At Malpais, I thought the cold would break my bones. Your charts were useless. Your eyes went blind with the, gray, with the sky's glut of stars. You crushed the last glowing ember. Said, don't touch me. And I can die now. Why wait for something less than this? I actually had a really hard time with this one. That's intense. And it's also it like very
0: non poetic.
1: Yeah. It was kind of just it felt very angry and like death and dying. Um so it was it was a tough one to
0: do. What I But ended there's up also doing... like there's also like quotes in it, you know? Yeah. Someone yeah, yeah. saying something, which is you don't you don't often associate with poetry. Poem. Exactly. Like that's that's a prose thing. Mm-hmm. So it it's interest like it's interesting how you handle that. It was really tough, I'm trying to think. So what I this is one of those I mean
1: I sat with this one I think the longest and almost got annoyed with it. Um so I decided to do something completely out of my net my element. Uh one of the lines in this was your charts were your charts were useless. So what I did with that is I started thinking about charts and then looking at the stars and charting and thinking in this. So I actually did this twelve tone. I created a row with this.
0: Right. I, I remember that in like as you were writing this, and you were saying, this is so not me.
1: Yeah. it, it, it I like the way it came out. It's I, I think it came out very beautiful, actually, and I'm not trying to boast. <laughs> but I did. <laughs> I'm not trying to boast, but this is pretty much no, awesome. i mean, just saying. No, in, 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 no big deal. In, in the way that I'm not a 12-tone writer, and I actually feel proud of this. That's what I'm saying. Um, so I created a row that that was a se- seven notes uh, cascading onto itself, and then five notes falling into itself, essentially creating, you know, co- collapsing onto itself. I- the idea of you're, you're dying, you're losing. Um, and then I set this row up with some, you know, difficult rhythms, um, triplets embedded on triplets. So it was one of those purposefully. So the piano player, you're talking
0: almost, about. You're talking about Steve Baciccia rhythms.
1: Steve Baciccia rhythms. Well, old <sighs> Steve Baciccia rhythms. I Old, haven't done that. In, yeah, that's right. That's right. I haven't done that in a very long time. <laughs> but the purpose of that is because I wanted someone to feel edgy. I wanted them to not be comfortable playing it very fluid. I want them to be, have that uncomfortableness of playing. You know, when you have to think, when you you have to think more than you just play the notes. Right. They don't come out. They don't. It's not going to come out as fluid. It's going to come out very choppy and awkward. And I wanted that feeling. You know, imagine if you're. I mean, to me, the poem was you're. You know, you're just desperate. You're hopeless, and you're you're going to die, you know, whatever, whatever it was, your charts were useless. My eyes went blind. Um, So it was just like playing as you can trying to just, just trying to get through it. So that's why I try to write it with that. And I, and I put it very, very high up on the piano um, with like occasional uh, notes down in the singer's reins, pretty much only to help the singer. The last movement is my favorite of the ones. And this is one of those. I had hard, I'd gone through all kinds of different series with this music. A lot of different ideas and thoughts. I said, okay, this to myself. This is the one that, you know, like any other music or anything else, people are going to remember the first movement and the last movement the most. So what do I want them to take away? And I said, okay, this is a piece for voice. Honestly, I need, I need the audience to take away pretty music. Like So this last mm. movement that's, that's a, that's a personal thing. That's a personal okay. thing. Right. I want Fair them. Enough. I, you know, sometimes, you know, they, they can, I don't know. It's a, it's a thing that I think it's a dichotomy that I, I think a lot of people go through. I go through it too, of saying, I don't care what people think. Yeah. But I really want to be liked for my music. Yeah. And this of is, course. this, this was one of those moments where I said, okay, well, I'm going to write some pretty music. Um, so, that's what, this pe- that's what this movement does a lot. Uh, uh, the, the, the words are, or the poetry, What the high desert gives to your name, One more wild chamisa, The mesa striated iron-red, Spiderweb cracks on the windshield, And the monsoons, finally, one afternoon, The smell of spruce and creosote In their wake, all night, saying. This poem... Too. I every single thing she says, I have seen constantly growing up. The chamisa, yeah, that's the, very
0: that that that. I mean, ha- having been to New Mexico several times, but actually having spent more time in in Arizona. I mean, I I get those things, even though they're not the same place. Like,
1: yeah, the chamisa, it's just a beautiful yellow flower or like bush in the summer, and they stink to high heaven when, yeah. when they turn to fall. The mesa, striated, iron red. You see those just red cracks in the mountains mm-hmm. spider web cracks in the windshield there's a ridiculous amount of rocks everywhere that a lot of the roads in new Mexico and santa fe are dirt and you're they're constant um i don't know i don't think i knew anybody's windshield that didn't have a, <laughs> a crack in it that must um, be a huge business out there <laughs> was, yeah uh i mean so th- this was just kind of a very nostalgic movement for me i was just really trying to go wow what all you're reading this this is just yes All those happy moments of being, you know, growing up. So, I set this up in the pretty music vein. I decided to, I I really thought about what, to me, makes music pretty. So, I wrote this, this movement, not, well, I thought about chords and I thought about harmonies. and And I came to realize that one of the things that makes harmonies resound without actually playing the harmonies is... The fifths, so the entire left hand of of when th- there's a, there's a little intro going on here that happens. There's a piano intro of just you know kind of some noodling just to give uh, some 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 sound. Um, right. Yeah. You know some um, uh, some noodles and doodles. Yeah, some noodles and doodles. You know they're they're kind of just you know like they're just playing the whole range of the piano just to give you know kind of an intro to what's going to happen in, later, and then just some block chords for the, the singer to sing. And the singer's part is not really... Um, no, it's notated, excuse me, but it's not really rhythmic. It's just it has generic rhythms saying, you know, the piano just plays uh, when the singer gets to a certain word. And, excuse me, these are just harmonies to so let the singer just flow. And I I wrote it... I wrote it... Um, the voice part I put intimate rubato with no specific tempo during this part and in the poem the the what the high desert gives to your name is set with two with two with a colon excuse me and then that list so i decided to list this first what the high desert gives what the high desert gives what the high desert gives to your name the voice sings mm-hmm. four or five different and then repeats it again multiple times just to kind of emulative like this is what I'm talking about all everything is from the desert this is all about the you know all the cool things be, are because of this then when then when uh starts to litanize and all the other things happen the the piano moves to just essentially open fifths and just rolling roll rolling fifths up and down with the left hand and then I'm trying to think okay so, That's it's just Yeah, it just moves up and down. And I mean, fifth. It's just a ton of fifths. It's not really a harmonic background. It's just changing fifths here and there. And the right hand plays some, I guess, uh, late nineteenth century right hand piano harmonies. <laughs>
0: <comedies. laughs> yeah, I think I took that class. Yeah. <laughs> I think it's interesting that you brought up wanting to write mm, so-called like pretty music when you were working with a text that deals with memory. And I've talked to several other composers and I actually myself did this once when, when they were experiencing grief or loss or memory or nostalgia, you know, these like really deep rooted uh, feelings, they tend towards more traditional materials or maybe, maybe a more traditional presentation of materials. Right. I mean, there's something about being a human when placed in that kind of situation of high stress or or I guess the the warm and fuzzy feelings. We want we want it to sound like home. And I mean, having having a child, I kind of wonder if this is a nature or nurture type of thing since we're since we're like sung. These these mm-hmm. very traditional nursery th- rhymes. Yeah, nursery rhymes. Yeah, you nursery know. rhymes and kind of very very basic folk, folky, folk kind yeah, of Yeah, they're they're innately tonal or traditional. And we associate with that with we associate that sound with that time in our life, which is more or less, you know, free from worry. Yeah. And now when we're when we're put in those situations, we want to go back to that sound and go back to that that kind of place and and I think that those more pretty or traditional sounds like that transports us for a minute. I personally think it's two faceted.
1: Yes. One it, that helps us to remember, but also I think that kind of very emoting, very, um, you know, you know, fluid type of music, the very, the very tonal aspect of music helps us to connect to more people because that's something that we all share commonly. Mm hmm. You know, a lot of us, we it's really not until we start to uh, move further in our life that we start to develop an appreciation for non-tonal or post-tonal or atonal music. At least, you know, but when we're young, we all have that respect for uh, very tonal sounds or soundscape. Um, and I think by reverting back to that uh, as you're saying, if, in regards to memory, uh, reverting back to that 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 time or that that ambiance helps us to connect. With, you know, feel more of a connection instead of a telling. As an artist, you always want to say you, you always think about saying, "Here's what I have to say. Here's my telling. Here's my my words, my thoughts in music." That is a little bit more. I mean, I, I sometimes I feel I feel. I do sometimes feel judged when I'm writing a prettier music or I'm writing something for just playing piano noodling. And it's just like the beautiful music. I feel judged because I don't feel like an academic. However, I do at that point feel like I'm connecting with more people. Mm -hmm. So it's a, it's kind of a double-edged sword. I want to connect. I want to feel, you you know, part of the, the, the group, but I don't, but I don't want necessarily, I still want to be, you know, an, um, an artist
0: on the, on the verge of tomorrow. Let's talk about four scenes. Now, this is—is is this a pretty recent piece? It's no, it's not. It.
1: Uh, this is a piece. Really? really, this is a piece that I wrote for violinist Sojin Kim, and I wrote oh, it a that's long where it time ago. All right, all right, all right, all right. I wrote yeah, this. Yeah. F- this is a weird. I guess this is a, um a good. I'm going to use it to try to reframe this in a better way. This is a good compositional thing that thing sorry i'm gonna say that much much better let me try again this is a much good, more better much more gooder than the last better time uh this is a, g- a very good compositional situation that happened a violinist asked me to write her a piece in th- in talks she said we will work together i want to you know we'll have a good collaboration the collaboration didn't happen. i wrote music she said it's too hard a lot of things don't work peace died she had to come back because she had to finish her, um, uh, lecture recital. She changed the lecture recital idea to be a proper collaboration. So we took that piece and we spent a lot of time working on it together. Almost, almost, you know, phrase by phrase with her playing it and saying, this doesn't work. I cannot do this. And I'm me saying, well, how about this? What if you do this? Here's the sound I want.
0: What can you do with that? So a lot of it really became a really cool collaborative uh, tune. That's really interesting because Chris Walzak had the, had almost the exact same story with Sonia when he was writing the... Um, the violin concerto. The violin concerto, yeah. yeah. And that's what it was. A lot of the times we, as composers, we write
1: what we think, or we, we write what we hear, or we write what we imagine. And we, I mean, me, I'm not a violinist. Uh, I can only put down what I think is going to work. Now I'm, you know, inadvertently I probably can break a violinist's fingers by accident by asking them to do something. So you ask them to to fix it. And you, a lot of the times, what I've noticed is that really, really good, or well, really great violinists, especially in string players, are trained to play what's on the page, no matter what. If it's on the page, play it. Find a way to play it. Instead of coming and talking and saying, "Hey, this doesn't work. How can we work together to do this?" Which okay. is a uh, you know, we as composers, we want that. I want someone to come and say, "Hey, let's let's talk. Let's talk through this." You know, whereas I think their training says, "Just do it because you have to do it." So it's a, right. so it's a, it's a it's a it's a I guess it's a it's an educational thing to work through.
0: So where did the where did the titles come from?
1: Um, I need to open it. I'm sorry, I gotta open Not prepared, it.
0: Prepared, man. Not prepared. I
1: was, but you do know we had to take a little break. So I close things down.
2: Mm-hmm.
1: So those of you listening, we had to take a little break for baby. Baby had to go to bed. Not my baby. I don't have a baby. Uh someone else's baby.
0: I'm cutting this out. <laughs> Chicken. I mean, you can talk to the listeners all you want, but they're never gonna hear it. <laughs> Chicken. Uh the titles. Okay.
1: Uh there are four scenes. So and we're gonna listen to numbers two and three. Two and three, correct. Uh, the first one, A Walk Along the Edge. What I did with this one was the original when I wrote the original tune, there was five movements. And I wrote the original
0: tune. Well, well, hang on. Since we're not gonna listen to the first or the fourth, I don't think you'll talk, talk about it. Cool, yeah, let's talk about the second and third.
1: Cool, second movement. Second movement is one of my favorites. It's called Covered in Spiders. Now, this piece is here's you go again. This piece is wicked fast.
0: Uh, wicked fast wicked brah. fast
1: uh i um i had the idea for this thinking
0: about a tarantella uh the the, the traditional uh whoa, italian whoa, whoa, wait, wait, wait 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 before you get into the, the 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 piece again where did the titles come from i'm telling you that the well, the, <laughs> the
1: title for this one is called covered in Spyder- spiders yeah yeah i i'm the the title came from me talking about how it came to be the idea of a tarantella. Oh. Yeah. The, okay. The, the, a tarantella is an Italian dance. What they would... Uh, in southern Italy, there is a lot of tarantulas.
0: And the idea of... So you you ha- you came up with the titles. Oh, yeah. They're not from something else. No. Oh. They're from my mind. A literary of you. Okay. Yeah, Fair enough. From my Go mind. ahead.
1: Continue. So a tarantella is a, is a fast Italian dance supposedly to call, to shake spiders from if you like walk into a, a crazy spider web or a thing to shake them off um that's disgusting it is so this this movement was based originally its original conception was a tarantella very fast uh uh you know mixed rhythmic. meter kind of a thing rhythmic mixed meter uh noise uh that so I just decided to call it "Covered in
0: Spiders." <laughs> I forgot about that. You always call your music noise. Everything is you noise. Know, I'm just gonna write this noise. Everything is noise. It's just, a, it's just <laughs> somehow,
1: somehow, you know.
0: All right, it's continue.
1: Organized noise. The next one, I know, an awakened dream. Um, this is just a. It's one of those, you know, pull a title out of the air kind of a thing. Um, I wanted to write some. I wanted to do something completely different than for violin, writing super high, changing the timbres on a very, very high sound. Um where each measure essentially is the phrase. So for the first measure it's nineteen four. Second measure it's eleven four. It really is. It's not even <laughs> Okay, they're sorry. not even yeah.
0: They're Nineteen e- four. You couldn't yeah. break that into smaller chunks. No, I didn't. I thought about it, but I don't want to. I
1: wanted the entire measure to be one phrase on all of these. That's why I, I left it at that. So it's okay. I also could have. F- I, for part of me was thinking of not even having measure num- measure. Yeah, and that if, if, if that were
0: me, that would be my inclination.
1: The reason I did was I kept it in there was just because um, when Sojin first started playing it, they, she kept she left things super uneven. She would just oh. like take some things really long, something's kind of short. And I said, no, nah, I got to have some kind of consistency within this because otherwise, this one movement ends up being about 12 minutes. So right. I decided to do this. And, anyways, it was just the, just the sound of it. Just I try to think of like, um, I'll, I think I had just seen Inception or something uh, when I came up with this title. But it was just one of those <laughs> like, oh, you, you're just kind of high up there, just some weird sounds. That's what this one is. Uh, but it's, I mean, it's one that's very. Very beautiful.
0: Very crystalline. Very, very pretty noises. Pretty noises, yeah. It's very noisy but pretty. So that's your that's your description of your own music, 2T. Alright, pretty noise. You know. Yeah, it's noisy. It's noise. <laughs> Wicked pretty noise.
1: That's right. So I'm not gonna talk about the I'm not playing the last one, but I just want to say the last moment I was no. very happy with because I got I uh I got a very a compliment from violin professor at Rice, Ken Goldsmith. Uh when Micah Brickwell was playing this piece first, uh, she took this to a lesson and he said, wow, this guy really knows his his left hand pizzas correctly. He knows how to write for the left hand very well. It's like, oh damn. So. (laughs) That is a nice compliment. Yeah, especially from Goldsmith. So. Yeah. So four scenes kind of a thing. They, They can, I mean, they were, with this one, I wanted them to, work well individually so if you just wanted to hear just one movement it's per works perfectly on its own and it also works as a four movement solo
0: that's good because that's that's what we're gonna do
1: good (laughs) why don't we take two of those maybe uh two and three take two yeah
0: So, what, I mean, one of the things I remember about you specific to being a composer was you have, or, well, you had, or maybe you still have, I don't, I don't know if you still do this, but a very unusual method of composing. Um, so, like like I said, we shared an office, and I would walk into our office, and you would be composing with Facebook Messenger open, you're texting <laughs> someone on your phone, and you're listening to other music while you are writing music. Do you still do that? Yeah, not necessarily. How does that work for you? Because that's exactly the thing that I tell my students not to
1: do. I um, part a lot of it is my ADHD. I just need to have some things to, har- I guess, kind of harness the one. Um, a lot of it is is that it's it's. Um, so it's like controlling the chaos. That's a big part of it. And uh, yeah, controlling the chaos. But all, a lot of it is I'd like to just, I have, I just kind of spew, I just spew mm. things on the paper. I mean, we were having a conversation one time where I said, one of my favorite things is a blank staff paper. And you said to, and you told me, that's one of the scariest things for you. Yeah. So for me, just, I just, just write, I'll, I'll write a ton, a ton of just absolute crap. And then yeah. I have, then I like going back and say, okay, well, what of this can I use? A lot of it, it's a really frustrating process. Um, but for me, it kind of, it, it, it helps to go through and, you know, pick things out. It's kind of like, like weeding, you know, like I can equate it to, um, when I was a kid, uh, I grew up in, uh, New Mexico, of course we talked about that earlier, but we would make beans and chili a lot. My family would, and we would just, my, one of my jobs as a kid was they would just dump a crab ton of pinto beans on the table, excuse me, and we would have to separate, the rocks or the broken ones out. So in this situation, I just, you know, whatever. To me, it really didn't matter. I was going for a shape or I was going for a a gesture or just just like lines, just moving things around. I didn't really know what the harmonies were yet. I didn't know what was happening. I just knew that I needed the music to go from from down here uh, to up here in some amount of time and how it got there, got there. So I would just make about eight, eight or nine versions of that and then go back and say, well, do any of these individually work or can I combine them to work? So it was a lot of weeding things out. <clears throat> so I still do that a lot. Uh, it's, I guess, I mean, it's time. It's, it, yeah, it takes time to do. It's a little bit uh, strenuous sometimes, but in the end, I kind of, well, I, I like what, what, what happens, but however, sometimes, occasionally my music... Tends to be a little more meandering because I can't find the exact match that I want, so I do mm-hmm. well. This plus
0: this and this probably will work. So, so well. Going going back to what you said about spewing crap onto the page. Oh, I do. Let's okay. talk about your next piece. Yeah, <laughs> <laughs> it's called uh, Rob McClure. <laughs> the hat. All right. Um, no, your your orchestra piece, illusions, illusions and delusions. Yeah. Now this was your dissertation piece, and um, I've I've already had uh, I've already had Charlie on the podcast, and I've had Ben, and uh, yeah. So I I was able to talk to them about their dissertation pieces. I mean, not only their dissertation pieces, but also that time in their life. So what was that time like for you? Wait, well, that was that was that was after. It was after we passed, okay, so it was easier. <laughs> yeah, we, we had already passed the comps, and and, so and, and, we, and and the the relationship about the comps, we had already passed that, so that was easier. <laughs> yeah, I um, mean, just d- d- just before you get into it, to give everyone an idea of what what the comps for us, were. I mean, every, everyone in academia knows that the comprehensive exams, your qualifying exams, or whatever, like that's yeah, one of the helped. hardest things you will ever do. The coolest and, part
1: before you finish. The coolest part yeah. about the comps is when you finish. That is the smartest you will ever be in your life.
0: Smartest you'll ever be, and it just—it's <laughs> all downhill from there. You know, just, you I just keep, keep all, losing things. Acknowledging bit bit that every downhill, it was just It's <laughs> like, no, I used to know this. I'm up in front of a class, like, and <laughs> crap. Being What was it? <laughs> <laughs> was <I> <laughs> <laughs> bone, pastor, bone, bone pastor, bone pastor, bone <laughs> pastor. <laughs> the only what, what what even was that? Was that a show? Was a my show?
1: It was a my show uh, yeah, it was
0: my show. But what what? Uh, see, it's gone. I know we don't even have it anymore. <laughs> yeah, anyway, so the comps were crazy. But it's just the I mean, the comps were crazy, and they basically scared the hell out of us because they, I mean, when they told what to study, they were like, Oh, just the grout, know all of it front to back, just... know the entire history and theory of music. That's all you need to know to pass the comps. Yeah, so in our doctoral class, uh, Charlie. Linda Ancasa pianist, Marcus Deloach uh, singer. singer you and i we studied three times D a week no, for 9 we months were 5 days in the summer we no, were no, there no 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 in the summer we were there 5 days a week 8 hours a day yes but leading up to the semester before that we were going oh, at least, yeah. it was a class it was three three times a week we studied for 9 months to take this take this test and you know, I've talked to people who were like, "Oh yeah, I knock, I knocked that studying out in a week or whatever." But uh, there was something I I will say, all 5 of us passed on the first time. That's so, right. and it, I, and whether and it was overkill or not, it didn't matter. I don't think it was overkill. I mean, it was it was crazy no. all the thing, but
1: I'd actually learned a lot from studying. And yeah, it, and I, I think
0: that even more solidified like the 5 of us yeah. as yeah, we became as a, group. a pretty
1: good cool, we became a
0: really cool group. Yeah. I liked it. So this was after the comps. So your dissertation period, what was it like for you? Oh, um, actually weirdly
1: stressful, but relieving in the same way because it was stressful. Cause I knew I had to finish this piece of music in a, by a deadline and it was a big piece of music. Um, this is the first time really that I had to, that I was going to write an orchestra piece that I was proud of. Um, I'd written orchestra pieces in the past and they were crap. Right. I'll, I'll yeah. admit it. Um, I will never yeah, show people too. I will never show people some of these musics. Like if I had a if I ever wrote a fanfare, I would never show anybody that. But, uh, <laughs>
0: <laughs> you side, side note, that's that's
1: one of the first things Rob ever showed anybody.
0: <laughs> it was? Yeah, in our, no. in our
1: in our uh in our listening Fridays.
0: Really? Yes. <laughs> oh, I'm I'm am I'm kind of embarrassed about that. All right. Fair enough. Fair um, enough.
1: So anyway. Yeah, it was just, it was, it was stressful writing this piece, but it was neat. But it was, um, it was just one of those things where I didn't have to wait, did I? No, we were still teaching. Ta- I taught one class. I was trying to think about everything. I, yeah, I we taught a class. We were still te- teaching a class, and that's all we had to do was just get up in the morning, teach a class, and write music. It was really almost surreal that we didn't have to do all other learning. It was just, you know, even the teaching was kind of easy. For, at this point, yeah. so it it was it was it was different, and and you know wherever literally just wherever I went, I was writing. I had the music constantly wherever I was. You know, I visited my cousin in Dallas, and to, on the on the tr- the bus ride to Dallas, uh, was writing, and then the train ride to Dallas, I was writing, and then when in the morning, I would get up and I would write. Well, you know, until we she, till she and I would go do things and hang out, and I would just be writing constantly. It was. I it was one of those moments that I actually
0: it's at this point that's a pretty enviable yeah time yeah it was neat so explain explain the title Uh, so the title is allusions illusions and delusions
1: uh and the way I came up with the title was because you
0: needed a title was part of it um (laughs) Charlie Charlie told the story of how he was like (laughs) He'd already had the piece written, and he had, like, 15 minutes to submit it online <laughs> to, you know, the, the like yeah. the dissertation. He was like, I still don't have a title. Uh, Impact. All right, good. <laughs> <laughs> it's a good title. <laughs> um, no,
1: It's, it's, it's very it's descriptive. Similar to that. I just needed the title, but I couldn't think of anything. And um, I thought about what was going on in the music, what was influential. And I realized that I um, was... You know, a lot of the music was, you know, uh, alluding to other things. I created, I guess it was illusions because it was a lot of um, what is it—false harmonies or multiple harmonies at the same time, purposefully, you know, moving back and forth. So, and then I, I, uh, uh, I said delusions because I said this is delusional. It's ever gonna get played again, <laughs>
0: <laughs> and somehow it, it, it did. <laughs> now so, this so this was picked up by the indianapolis symphony yeah for a performance and did you um and that's the recording we're going to hear did you revise it before that performance i did a tiny re- couple of little little revisions
1: uh nothing nothing expansive okay because it seems longer than than what it was for shepherd they just took some time they took time oh okay. Yeah. uh yeah the, the the conductor amazing guy it was really really cool um Christoph Allstart was his name, uh, from Germany. Uh, he flew in. I, I I was in Indianapolis. He flew in to Indianapolis and met me. Still hadn't. He did like an overnight flight, so he met me without even sleeping. And he just goes, "Yeah, I was looking at your score on uh over the you know during the flight. I just wanted to talk through a couple of things." And he it seemed like he knew my score more than I did. It was pretty impressive. He goes, "Yeah, there's this passage here, but the bassoons." You have it in tenor Clef. Pretty sure you wanted to be in Treble Clef, right? And looked through it, sung through it, and went, yep, supposed to be in Treble Clef. Uh, <laughs> uh, uh, he goes, what? I know. <laughs> it's like, it's, like it's, a, it's a random bassoon line in the middle of the, you know, a lot of stuff happening. So it wasn't, it was like just bassoon solo coming out. So it was just like, oh my God. A lot of other cool things that happened um, with that. So it was really, really cool.
0: I love the ending. And I remember you used <clears throat> a pretty unusual percussion instrument i mean if if this were not just an audio medium i would be throwing air quotes in like percussion instrument at the end of the piece what was that didn't you use a like a hard hardcover textbook oh yeah i used yeah it's
1: it's a and the
0: yeah at some point i don't know if it's the end
1: it might be at the end yeah and it was um and everyone knows your score better than you do I just didn't remember where I put that. To be honest, that's all it was. Because I have that. I have a few, a few pieces. I start. I did that one in earlier, way earlier piece uh, called "To a Soldier." And the reason for that yeah, was because I, I conducted wanted... conducted that. Yeah, because I used to, I used to screw around. I love playing drums. I used to screw around hitting a, you know, on a book, a textbook, and I realized that the sound of that is so cool. It's just so dry, but really loud when you hit it. You know, especially get a rim shot on a textbook. Yeah so cool so dry doesn't resonate i
0: mean it's it's basically like it's a different timbral version of a slapstick yeah if, if you're hitting a rim shot on a on a textbook
1: yeah so yeah i i wanted that and and i at the end of the piece i have yeah right i do have the, i have it at the in this huge climax part too, where they're just wailing going nuts um but i have it right at the end while the entire string section uh slap plays a bartok pits right yeah and so it just creates like a um, like a sound with, uh,
0: but with a lot more, you know, less wet. <laughs> I would, I would love to see you up in front of an orchestra talking to them about like, oh, and this, uh, this last sound is just supposed to be, pfft, you know, whatever.
1: Yeah. <laughs> just a lot less wet, and it creates a really cool, you know, effect. You know, and that, that comes out of just this dying moment, just 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 low D. Bah, you know, that's not probably not a D. I have no idea. I don't have, I don't have perfect pitch. It's probably like a G or something. Nope. That was an A. My bad. So, um, <laughs> I'm sorry. That, my voice, my singing, and you hitting that piano around me of Shane singing his five octaves. <laughs>
0: <laughs> For anyone listening, if you have not heard Shane sing five octaves, go YouTube immediately. Do it now. You will. It'll change your life.
1: <laughs> <laughs> so, but uh, yeah. So they're seeing, they're they're playing this low thing, and uh, they have a, a hit. The whole orchestra has a hit, and then another hit, and then the last final hit is just all just a woody sound, you know, uh, where they all play a pizzicato. The double basses and the, the cellos slap, uh, you know, batuto with the with their uh, with their bows. And the
0: clarinets and the oboes break their instruments over their knees. And, yeah, yeah, so it's I get it. yeah, it's pretty much. It's wood. Yeah. you know.
1: And that's the end. So, kind of, it's a very shocking ending. You know, kind of coming yeah. out of the thing. So, yeah. But thank you for Good. liking it. Yeah, <laughs> <laughs> no problem. Glad it worked. <laughs> I didn't have to. That's true.
0: And yet I did anyway. <laughs> okay. Teamwork. All right. Sorry. Mm -hmm. Let's. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Mm -hmm.
1: (laughs) What is that from? I don't remember.
0: this podcast because we're just making jokes that we're laughing at that aren't funny to anyone else i
1: really i want someone to write it in and be like that's from this idiots (laughs) Right? (laughs) (laughs) it's from some movie and i can't remember which one
0: yeah some some movie yeah
1: what kate say one time i think one of our favorite things is kate your wife said um you two are like a google search you say one yep. part of a thing and everything comes up.
0: Yep. That's how our brains work. Yes. We don't, you know where <laughs> it's like an indirect response. You know, someone says something to you, and if you're a normal person, you listen and think about that and then respond as a human would. <laughs> when someone that's says that's something that's to that's us, we immediately go into the bank and say, Ooh, what reference can I can I riff on? I like that. As a
1: human would. It's a <laughs> <laughs> That's
0: always reference. Oh my God, Liz just gets Liz, is my girlfriend. You, just, the human Eric Cartman. <laughs> yes,
1: yeah. Liz, my girlfriend, right, gets sorry. so frustrated with my like our my quotes that I just keep throwing back and always have references because yeah. she doesn't. She's not that versed in movies or pop culture or
0: yeah, it's it's not just movies. It's like TV, TV songs, pop culture, songs. everything. You know. Yeah, she's super. And-
1: she's super versed in musical theater. She'll, so I'll say something, and she'll turn it into a song. And I just look at her, going like, the who? "What?
0: What are you the saying? What's going on with this? now. <laughs> what is this? High school musical?" <laughs> yeah, I mean, and that's like, that's been one of the hardest things for me. Uh, living. I mean, obviously living over here because you know I only have so many people that um are familiar with you know the the references that i'm making and i've just kind of stopped because no one gets even if they are american they or you know western or whatever they they just don't get it that no one can hang with us yeah one of my one of
1: the things that i i mean i I, right now currently i'm I'm a teacher at a a private school elementary and middle school high school i really really enjoy throwing quotes and throwing references out to some of my high schoolers and middle schoolers because a lot of them they get, which is kind of, it's very, you know, it's helpful to have that, you know, that, I'm going to call it discourse for lack of a better word, because it really <laughs> isn't, but just have someone understand for a moment.
0: <laughs> yeah, I imagine we relate very well to high school. <laughs> That's <Sadly>. terrible.
2: <laughs> oh, well.
0: All let right, right. Let's, uh, let's round this out. Last question. How did you come to music as something that you wanted to pursue as as your life?
1: That that is a All right, how much time do we have? All right, that's a tough question. <laughs> Seriously. Okay. 3 of, sentences or less. <clears throat> are you serious? 3 sentences? No. Oh, okay. <laughs> Jesus, monkey. Um That's that's a tough question because I kn- it's basically
0: your origin story yeah you yeah know.
1: i'm gonna i'm gonna before i go into that i will start with this when i was in high school i knew and i'm i knew definitively for a
0: fact i did not want to be a musician i knew it well and, the, and that's the thing because you have so many other things that you do you yeah. know, like you you have a culinary degree you originally got into undergrad on a swimming scholarship what what stroke did you scrim- swim by the way butterfly Mm, you and Michael Phelps.
1: Oh yeah, he's better than me though. Yeah, a little bit, <laughs> a lot. <laughs> so, but um, yeah. So, so I knew that I did not want to be a musician. Now here, because my understanding of a musician when I was in high school was a musician is either a professional player. And I was a trumpet player. As I said, I don't like practicing, so it's not for me.
0: Or, that's almost every composer. A band like, director.
1: Or conduct, and I was like, I, I hate kids. So yeah. now I'm, it's great now that I'm like, like doing, I love it now, but it was at the time when I was in high school. I was like, I don't oh, no. So, and I, and, I, and, and so I did not want to. Now, backing up, origin story. Uh, I grew up with music a lot. Uh, weirdly, I, uh, growing up in Santa Fe, uh, almost everybody except for about eight people are Catholic. So we went to, uh, <laughs> went to church, and the music in church always just was something. Uh, I liked, uh, I just liked the music in church. It actually made church enjoyable for me. Um, and, th- oh, when I was, I joined, I joined band in elementary school only because, uh, I hated my fourth grade teacher and she didn't like me. She actually told m- my parents in a parent teacher conference with me sitting there. She said, she looked at my parents and said, I don't like him. I don't want him in my class we're not a good fit. And we're like, my parents were like, Oh, good, good luck. You know, like they can't take me out because it was just a school. Uh, we could not afford a uh, private school. So it was just it was the public school where we were zoned to. So we we're, were just like, oh, well, good luck to both of you. bad. Yeah. So I, that's when they, the, the day we I was able to join band. And if you joined band, you got to leave for two days a week from class for a certain amount of time. I was like, oh, hell yeah. If I can get out of here, done. I joined band. I joined I played trumpet uh, only because I was
0: uh, amazing. So, <laughs> <laughs> as every trump- I mean, they try they tried to put me on other instruments, but I was just so amazing. I mean, if you couldn't deny, if it, you're a
1: trumpet yeah. player, it just naturally gravitates to you. So, um, and then what um, being amazing? Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> then uh, I, jo- I dropped I-, I dropped music in seventh and eighth grade because. We didn't have a music program at this school that I went, It's Catholic school. Uh, and I picked it back up in high school uh, because I fell in love immediately, weirdly, with marching band. I love the idea of marching band. I love what was happening. just mostly because I love the sound. Uh, really, really, really loved the drum and bugle corps because they would just play super loud, really weird, hard stuff. Didn't have to deal with woodwinds. Uh, and the sounds, just the sounds that they made. Uh, the drumming was just, you know, the, the rudimentary, uh, you know, snare drum, the, the rudiments, it was just the technique, the technical facets, all of it was so cool to me. Got really into that. Uh, then I got into um, arranging while I was in high school. I, um, I joined a, a ska band and just had a lot of fun listening to tunes and kind of writing them down, letting us play them. Um, wrote a lot of uh, 43 versions of the national anthem, just because, you know, we had different sporting events that needed people to do it or different things. And I was like, yeah, here's a trumpet flute and saxophone. Go play national anthem. You know, just write.
0: (laughs) (laughs) Do you still have those? I'd love to hear them. No. (laughs)
1: So I, I, I didn't even think about the idea of composing for a very long time. Then my best friend at the in the time, his name was Steve, also Steve. Uh he's now actually he, an editor out in LA. But he got me into the idea of composing. He turned me on to film music. Um, I mean, I didn't even pay attention to the fact that, that existed. Uh and that's when I started, this is my junior year of high school. And then I um I, you know, I started getting decent at Horn. So I was an all-state and all-state orchestra, all-state band and a couple of different things that I would get in trouble for missing entrances because I started listening to people playing. I said, "Oh my god, well, you know the they're the horn, French horns are playing this while the trombones are playing this. And That sounds really really cool." Oh crap! I'm supposed to be playing right now. You know, cut mm-hmm. off and yell at me again. But it was just mm-hmm. I started I started listening to what was happening, and then I remember going talking to the directors and saying, "Well, can I see? I don't even know what the a score. I like, can you see what you're seeing? Can I see what everybody's playing sometime?" And they were, "Oh yeah, of course. You know, let me look at it sometime." It was really really neat. Um, I, did, I didn't go into college for music. I went, you know, as you said, a swimming scholarship, and then I went there. I, I was a restaurant managing major, but I just loved playing. I continued to play. I was in, as a non-music major,
0: I was in four different ensembles, and then oh my god, I know right. <laughs> uh, as a music major, I was in four different <laughs> ensembles, and that was
1: still like crazy. It was, and then I said, you know what, I'm doing this. There must be something. So I just decided to just start try writing. I took some composition lessons, talked to some people and just tried writing. My writing was so naive and so crap. It was like just, you know, tonal cheese. Uh, had no, I didn't. I was afraid to try to write anything different. Um, and it took me a, a long time to get into it. And it really wasn't until my master's program in Vegas uh, where I was working with uh, Virko Bali. And he's the one that just kind of like just challenged me and pushed me and pushed me to a, uh, just really break away and just write some. I mean, uh, something to say. Just write some weird shit sometimes. That's what he said, and I did. And it was from that breakaway that kind of got like, like, sent my mind differently. I said, okay, well, like, I guess I can do this. Um, and that was a, I was a bug, having having me write and having someone play it and having it being heard. Just that little that like. Having someone having me hear something that I already did and someone play it and other people like the performers talking about it, telling me, Hey, I like this or I didn't like this and here's why. Just that little option, you know. I knew it took me a while to realize that not everybody's gonna like what I write. Because like every young composer, you think that everything you write is your you know, your you're pooping gold. Um <laughs> but it takes, it, it's, I think that's one of the, 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 yeah, the, it takes a while to get over. That's that. one of the key moments of a good composer. I think is just to realize that you're not great and not everybody's going to like what you write. Uh, we had a visiting composer from Florida and I'm I have his name, at the tip of the tongue. I'll, I'll come back to it when I think about it. Well, at a certain point, but he this was in Vegas and he had a, um, a great moment. He said, I just like writing music. He was talking to our seminar. He said, I realized at a certain point that I'm not Mozart. I'm not Beethoven. I'm, insert name here, I can't remember his name. It's driving me nuts. But I'm this guy. And that's all I can ever be. I'm going to be the best that I can be at this. Some people are going to like it. Some people are going to hate it. Doesn't matter. If I like writing it, I'm going to keep writing it. Uh, And for me, that was a big waking moment of just saying, yeah, I mean, not everything I'm going to write is going to be good. I'm going to write some crappy pieces. But some of them are going to be really cool. And as long as I like hearing what I write, that's kind of a, the moment. That's the thing. If I, like hear, if I don't like hearing it, then stop doing it. If, I get, if I'm writing a piece and I start listening to it, if I take my time, I just start you know, going through it in my head and I'm not liking it, I, that's gone. Trash. See you laters-ville. Not even, you know, come back to it. It could be in a different piece. If I'm not going to like hearing it, then no one is.
0: and mic drop <laughs> <laughs> I'm pretty sure Jonathan wouldn't appreciate that <laughs> with <true>. his mic. <laughs> <Yeah>. No! No! <laughs> All right man. Well, that's great. Let's uh, let's where where are you on the interwebs your
1: website is my website is com. I need to update it. I haven't done that in a few months yeah you do I, I've been writing honestly I've been really really focusing on this cello concerto so I have not updated that it's pretty bad uh, fair enough yeah you can find me on I actually have a YouTube channel so a lot of everything that I write ends up going on there too I'm on SoundCloud too under robmcclure.com <laughs>
0: <laughs> um <laughs> On no, you are on Sound. Yeah. Are you on SoundCloud? I'm on SoundCloud. Okay,
1: SoundCloud. You can hear and really good versions of those uh, uh, the brass pieces we were talking about at the beginning.
0: Did yeah, we talk about yeah, those? Yeah, yeah. We didn't talk well, about them. It, you asked about in them in your in your bio. Yeah, I talked yeah, about okay. them. The the Omni brass. Yeah, pieces. yeah. You can hear good recording. What, what are the names? They're, it's actually or called
1: what's that? it's called Three Sculptural Impressions. Okay. And what's going to happen with those is going to be really cool because so in the, this is in the works that I'm going to get those perfect. The, the the recording is a live recording. But we're going to get, yep. um, which they played at the Menil in at the, each sculpture, which was really cool. But we're going to get those professionally recorded. It's in the process of working through that. And then uh, I have a videographer who is going to take video of like traveling through each of the sculptures because they're in ground while, cool. while the music is playing. And, it kind of, and like, through them, above them, kind of do a little video montage of each of the things to, get, to make a, a cool little thing of it.
0: Even Rocky had a montage. Exactly. That's what I was thinking. <laughs> <laughs> all right. Are you on, uh, you're on Facebook? You have a I'm composer conf- page on Facebook? Yes, Are sir. you on the Twitters? I'm not on
1: the tweets. You don't, you don't tweets? I don't. I don't. I find, I find that I will, it's just, it'll be another thing that, uh, to distract me. I'll end up, I'll end up checking out Brian Ferniehow all the time. <laughs>
0: <laughs> he has a pretty good Twitter. I know. <laughs>
1: ben, Ben Krause turned me on to the Fernie Howe.
0: <laughs> yeah, man. Alright, man. So, Thanks. Yeah, but this was good times. Mm-hmm. So mm-hmm. Mm-hmm.
1: Mm-hmm.
2: Yeah. Mm-hmm.
0: Mm-hmm. <laughs> cool. Cool cool cool. Cool cool cool. Thanks for listening. As always, if you want to find out more about adjective new music or lexical tones, please go to our website, www.adjectivenewmusic.com